Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. This is the fourth episode in our Anzac Day series and I'm so excited to introduce another amazing woman, Jill. Jill is a mum of three. She enjoys craft, in particular scrapbooking and making cards. And one of her daughters, Rebecca, is in the army. So today we're going to be talking talking to Jill about what it's like to be the mum of somebody who is serving as part of the Australian Defence Force. So thank you so much for joining me today, Jill. That's okay. So can you tell me, so you have experience, you were in the Army Reserves? That's correct. So how was that for you? I guess what, what encouraged you to join the Army Reserves? I became interested with, from a person at work who was already in the Army Reserve and I was a single mother of three at the time, looking for some extra dollars because I'd just started work, got off the, the single parent's pension and because that cuts you out of a lot of money. Mm. Um, so I was looking for some extra work and this money was tax-free. Oh, nice. Very nice. So I was looking at something and it suited the fact that my children went back to their father once a fortnight so I could go away for weekends that we had to do and then we met once a week for a couple of hours at night and when I was looking into it all thinking I'll have to get a babysitter for the children I found out that there were quite a few single mothers there and they all brought their children. Oh wow. So they all sat in the mess and had a great old time together all the kids and then we'd do our bit for training for two hours and then then they'd come in be in the mess with us well and they some of my friends which Tonya was one of them used to buy you know buy them a coke and a chocolate and we'd stay for sort of 10-15 minutes they'd have that fun and then we'd all go home so I didn't even have to worry about babysitting because I was thinking yeah, how would you do that as a single mum? How do you go away for a weekend? How do you go to the training? How do you um, – but, yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing that you could take them with you. And, of course, yeah, if you can work out how to time that with the, you know, their visits with their dad, then that's perfect. Yeah, that worked out well. But when I first Re- – Rebecca was 10 when I first brought home all my gear, the backpack and the webbing – and the uniforms, and she tried all of that on and just said, oh, I'm going to be in the Army one day. Yeah, yeah, sure, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Eight years later, when she was 18, she joined the Army Reserve to start with because I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was something so totally different from what everything else, plus you're getting paid, and you met so many different people mm-hmm. and I, some of those people are still friends of mine today yeah. and that was many, many moons ago. And, yeah, so um, Tonya, who was the episode for the previous guest, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I was speaking to her, she'd go, oh, you should talk to my friend Jill. And, yeah, she did say you have been friends for, you know, quite a number of years now and made that friendship from the Army Reserves. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, so. And, you know, she mentioned that that's one of the one of the things that she really appreciated with the Army Reserves is that mateship and just the fact that you do make those amazing connections. You do because you're all in the same boat. You're going through the same hardships with the training, the weekends away, working full time, spending all weekend. You'd meet up on a Friday night, come back on a Sunday afternoon and then you'd have to go back, back to into full time work again. And I was a single mother, so, you know, I'd end up with the kids back with me and, you know, you have to have had all the washing and all of that. So you had to be really organised to do that. But it was just really good. But Rebecca really liked it and so she joined. So she joined at 18 and joined the Army Reserve. So were you together? Sort of. We were, like I I was moving into another unit at the time when she joined the funny thing was when they go away so I wasn't actually in the same unit as her at the same time but they'd all go she'd be 
doing something like I used to do in the in the signals and they'd say Jill Jill are you back again <laughs> and she'd turn around oh mini Jill <laughs> yeah. they all sort of took her under their wing and sort of knew her and looked after her because they knew they'd worked with me yeah and it's family absolutely so I, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but when Rebecca told you that she was joining the Army Reserves, what was your reaction and response to that? I was very proud, mm. very proud, very pleased, very happy because I thought I've had such a great time. I had put my hand up to go to Cambodia. Mm. Even though I was an Army Reserve, we could go, we could put our hand up and sort of transfer over to the regs for that the regulars for that time and I'd I was serious enough to want to try to do that but I wasn't I think one of the reasons I wasn't picked at the time was because I had children single and a yeah. single mum but I felt strongly enough to want to do that and I thought what an opportunity for Rebecca how she's learning she's being with a lot of adults as a young adult mm. She was still, when she joined, she was still in year, she was just starting year, must have been year Mm. 12, but she did it at some stage during year 11. So she was studying as well at the same time. So studying final year of exams and doing this as well. Yes. And just loving it and enjoying it. And that's while she was in the Army Reserve is what she then made her decision to head off to become a regular and go into the officer training. Mm. So what do you think pushed her over the edge to go from Army Reserves to Army? I think she enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. but also the commitment to Australia, Mm. the commitment to, like she was carrying on a bit of a tradition because like her auntie and two uncles had been in, of mine, Mm -hmm. so great parent auntie and uncle because my parents were too young to be in world war ii but they had been in world war ii oh and my grandfather on the other side of my family Mm. and i think she was just proud to do to get in and do something and be there for australia yeah and so when she transferred into the army Mm. did you have what were your reactions and emotions to that oh just over the moon for her over the moon she had a lot of like 18 months of hard yakka being in the army as a female Mm. she was in the 500th woman to go through Duntroon so she wasn't 500th but somewhere somewhere, yeah there hadn't been that many before her yeah yes and so you think well that's that's huge Mm. And, I mean, even today there is still a lot of bias against females mm-hmm. in the Army. I can't speak for the other Defence Forces, yeah. but just, the, you know, the Air Force or the Navy. Mm-hmm. But even though women are allowed to do a lot more than what they ever used to be allowed to and going to combat, there's still that bias against them doing yeah. it, yeah, which makes it very tough for them. And so when I, you know, when I asked you how you, what your reaction was when she, um, when she moved over into the army, it's a shame that this isn't a video um, podcast because your whole face lit up with pride and excitement about that. And, (laughs) and it's just so lovely to see. And, um, and it's such a shame that that's tempered with this thought that there is still this bias for women in the defense forces. And, you know, obviously we're talking about the army. So, and it's just, it's a shame that there's that but that sits underneath it. Yes, but Rebecca's not fighting nastily, but fighting against it. Mm. So at one stage she put in, wanted to have pregnancy uniforms. Yeah. She has got four children and so she was in the right area writing policies and doing stuff and she was mani- she was managing to get that through the system so that women could have clothes that fit <laughs> uniforms that weren't just big cams yeah 
camouflage uniforms, they could have a proper dress pregnancy one because yeah. she's yeah, she's had all four children while she's been in the in the service. Oh my goodness, that's that's intense to yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll definitely be asking about that in a minute. I'm just wondering, was Rebecca in the regular army when you were still in the army reserves? Yes, for a short time. I didn't last. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I probably only lasted about another three or four years before I got out. Only? That's quite significant. (laughs) I mean, I I did 12 years in the Army Reserve altogether. So I did about three or four years after Rebecca had joined, like, yes, became an officer. So did you come across each other in Army spaces? Once or twice. And how how was that? I had to salute her because I was not an officer. How was that? It felt weird, but at the same time, I was very proud knowing that my daughter had had the the training. I respected her as a person anyway. So, and whether I did or didn't, it's what you have to do anyway. Yeah. But we joked about it because... Quite often we'd be in uniform at the same time at home and I said, I'm not saluting you at home. <laughs> There's a <Yeah>. line. <laughs> there is a line. I'm still your mum. That's it. In this house, I outrank you. I'm still your mum. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I didn't mind because it's the same in a workplace any anywhere, mm. especially when you know the details behind why they have the young lieutenants because the young lieutenants are sort of get up and go and let's go. And then you've got the sage, older, more wisdom sergeants and warrant officers who temper that let's get up and go with, hey, and that's how it works. And so you understand where that comes from. And that's the same in a normal workplace. You always have young, new ones coming in. And you can't just say, oh, they're young, I'm not going to listen to them. You've got, still got to respect them and listen to them. Yeah. And um, But you can put your two cents worth in as well. Yeah. When Rebecca was going through the um, officer training, how many mm. women were part of that training? I cannot remember. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm thinking 20, maybe 30. Out of how many? Well, there were six platoons or I might be getting my wording wrong because hey it was many years ago ago. yeah that's okay (laughs) and I don't keep up to date with it so if anyone's listening and going what you talking about got that wrong (laughs) I did um I think there was six look I I'm only guessing so I don't really know I guess I'm wondering was you know was it still and I'm hearing that you know there's only 500 women that had gone through up until that point but was she in a minority group there? Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. And um, look, I'm a, she made it through. I'm assuming that she went with, coped with that quite well. Were there what what like what additional challenges were there likely to have been in that situation? Well, just her sheer, you know, size. Like she's only she's not real tall. She's not short, mm. but she's not real tall. And I mean doing all the exercises and stuff she was sort of down to little skinny mini yeah and you know there were times when she'd be out on an exercise and well one time in particular she was telling me she fell over and if her <laughs> can't get up again because the pack she couldn't get up again but she was in water oh no and she couldn't lift her head because she had the radio on in a backpack and she couldn't lift her head. And she said, there's only, you know, an inch or two of water and I couldn't lift my head. So, you know, people came along and lifted her out. But she said, that's sort of, yeah, that, you know, she didn't have the strength to get herself up out of that again after falling. So I so had it, a mental picture of her on her back like a turtle, upside down, no, like, you know, arms no. and legs flying, which is funny. But no, face down yeah. in a puddle of water, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny now. Yeah, but oh. Um, but you know, but everyone's—that's where you're working as a team and you're yeah. watching out for each other. But I think she had a few 
issues, you know, with some of the male officers, Mm. just not being patient or aware of females. Yeah. And just the difference that that happens with females. Does how long has Rebecca been in the army? Is it twenty five? Oh my goodness, that's dreadful. <laughs> Four ninety four. Almost. I think she's been in about twenty eight years. Oh wow. So I, I think, think attitudes have changed a lot in oh, yes. the last three decades and and I just you know going back well, twenty years ago there was still that attitude that women didn't belong in the military and they weren't, you know, they weren't fast enough, they weren't strong enough, they weren't, you know, all of these other things that they weren't enough of. And so there was a, this sort of idea that women wouldn't have it in them to cover a bloke's back. And I can imagine and that would have caused challenges. Yes, yes, but they do. Because yeah, 100%. They, <laughs> because they think differently as well they're quite often a lot more strategic and not just gung-ho yeah. with their ways of doing things. But, I mean, Rebecca is doing brilliantly. She's a lieutenant colonel now. Mm-hmm. So she's gone up the ranks and obviously not with the same cohort that she went through with because of the breaks having had the four children. Mm. With her being in the army and then, so she went and did her officer training. Yep. And then at some point in there, I'm assuming she got married or, well, she at least met someone. Yes. Yes, she got married yeah. a few years later. So had she, had she been deployed at that point or? Yes. Yes. She, she went to East Timor. And how was that for you with you know, she's still I your baby was, and she was going to East Timor. Well, I got really, you know, started to get a bit, oh, no, oh, no, and thinking, and she said, Mum, you're in the Army Reserve and you go to war. And I said, yeah. She said, so stop worrying about me. Yeah, but that's me and you're my baby. Yes. <laughs> and she said, so just shut up. Let, let me get on with it and support me yeah. and don't let me see your fears because she said, don't think I haven't got them, but I'm coming and doing my job. I'm wanting to go and help and just get in there and support me and and do it. How old was she when she told you this? 20, 24. So that's... 20, 25, oh, maybe she was a bit older than that. Even 25. so, very wise words for... A young person. Oh, she is a she is brilliant. (laughs) And I mean, it makes sense to say, you know, I've got my fears. I don't need to see or carry yours as well. Just support me. But how did you go with that? How did you go with the? Yep, I need. I know I need to support you. At the same time, (laughs) you just have to hold it in. Yeah, and you just go okay. And she said, "Mum, if I die over here, know that I'm." I'm doing what I want to do, what I love doing and what I'm doing for my country. So just just be aware of that and just now don't don't talk about it again. You've so, had your moment and now we're moving on. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. And no more. Did you find spaces for you to be able to kind of share that fear with people other than her and to be able to look after yourself? Yes, because I had friends and yeah, family. I was okay with it and just thought, okay, I've got to get on and send send a care packages and do those sorts of things and make that effort. Like she was over there in East Timor for Christmas. I, I bought one of those paper mache Christmas tree boxes and covered that, uh, filled it up with chocolates because she, you know, she was always sharing with yeah. all everyone, any food that would come, they'd take it all into the tent that they were working in and share it with everyone so you'd send over packages like that and so they had their Christmas tree (laughs) cool and I'm thinking East Timor was around 1998 99 wasn't it 98 yeah yeah and we obviously didn't have things like FaceTime and we didn't um you know I think I got my first mobile phone maybe in 96 or 97 so 
it, I'm imagining that communication then would have been harder. Very much so. But she got, because she was in signals, I don't know whether it was because she was in signals or whatever, but occasionally, or they'd line up and they'd get a phone call through. So you'd get an occasional phone call, but there were, you know, different people that she had to call. So you weren't expecting yeah. one regularly. Mm-hmm. It was just an occasional one. And then you'd get the um, letter, you know, because there was the defence post, so you could send letters over. Mm. So they're getting on with their job. So they're not thinking about home. They've got to be in that zone over there. Mm. And so you don't want to disrupt that. So even if they're on the phone, you're saying, yeah, everything's great, whether it is or it isn't. No, that's it. They don't need anything else for distractions. They don't need those distractions. So you just carry on and be happy that you've heard from them. It must be difficult, though, knowing that they're over there with, you know, seeing things on the news and and not being able to have that regular contact and not knowing when you're likely to talk to them again. Well, it is, but at the same time, you just have to accept it. Yeah. Like when you look back at people who went to the Second World War, they had no contact no. at all, and we get an occasional phone call. You think, wait, we, we're going great. We're doing fine. And um, you just have to accept it. It's tricky because I think you, um, comparison can really help. But at the same time, just because somebody had it worse doesn't make my heart any easier. So it's a bit of both, isn't it? <laughs> well, yes, but... Yeah. But you've got to get through. and You've got to get through and I don't have to wait months and months and months. Yeah. So um, gratitude. Yes. Thankful. Yeah. And so she came back from deployment and then met someone. Now, did she meet a civilian or another army person? Another army person. Oh, that... I kind of can't get my head around it because I think, how does that how does that work? If she ends up being in one place and he ends up being in another place, well, you do try to do because that was she met him when she was on her. She went to the Solomon Islands as mm. well, and that's when she met him. You can have postings where you are apart, mm. but they tried very very much to have all their postings together. So the army was supportive um, of that? They are supportive of it. doesn't always work that way. Yeah. And it also depends on what job you're being offered, mm. whether you really want to do that one or you want to do want something. Want to hold out for something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they got married and had babies. They were posted to America. So my eldest grandchild is half American. Because he was born, born in, in America, America, so he's got American citizenship as ah. well. Because you had to apply for that. Yeah. But because he was born over there, he was entitled to that. He was born in America. They've had two postings to America. The first one was born in America. The next two were born in Canberra. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was born in Brisbane. It's a well-travelled family. Yes. 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 I was going to say when the youngest was about two, no, not even two, they got another posting to America and Rebecca had the opportunity to work at the Pentagon. Oh. So she enjoyed that. But then she got posted to go to Afghanistan. So she went to Afghanistan for six months when the youngest was about, I think she was, yeah, two and a half when Rebecca went. So she, the youngest now, still has an American twang every now and then, <laughs> even though she's been back in Australia since she was sort of three. She has this American twang. <laughs> I'm wondering, well, I'm wondering a lot of things, but, you know, with the posting to Afghanistan, did you find that, as her mum, did you find that harder than perhaps what, some of her earlier postings or earlier deployments? Yeah, well, yes and no, because... Both times before, they did not know what they were walking into mm. going in, you know, on the plane and landing. They didn't know what whether they're going to be shot at or anything. So you just don't know. Um, so Afghanistan, yes, was a hell of a whole lot worse. Mm. But at the same time, it was still just as daunting because the other places when she went, she was sort of 
some of the first, not the first, but yeah. a lot of the in the first wave that went in, and they didn't know how they were going to be received. So it's still just as daunting. Mm. The the reason I was wondering whether Afghanistan was harder for you is because of the amount of, I guess, the the changes in the coverage in those, you know, 20 years and the way that we've gone from the news was once a night at six o'clock to the news was everywhere all the time and there's no escaping it and and my my baby's over there. Yes, you, you have that and sometimes I've had to switch, just switch the news off. Yeah. Just don't know. I can't deal with that. It's hard. I've... I've switched the news off at the moment because I can't deal with that. But it's everywhere, you know. So, yes, my television's off. I don't listen to the radio when I'm driving anymore. I'll listen to Spotify. But now my Spotify ads, it started, you know, things creep in everywhere. So you think, or, you know, you're walking through a shopping centre and you see front of newspapers. And so it's easier said than done to disengage from that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, Rebecca was working... I think she had one day or half a day off. I can't, you know, even that I can't remember because that was about seven, seven or eight years ago. And you just go, how do they do it? So she'd go to the gym, but she was working and then they had to work, walk a kilometre. And she said, but it was weird because there were little cafes where you could have a coffee and stuff all inside. And then you had to go to work, you had to wear a helmet and a flak jacket and have your pistol and and you're walking to work and she said it was just really strange Mm. and I mean soon after she got there there was a big truck bomb had happened but fortunately it was on a Sunday so there weren't too many people around Mm. so I think I think it only killed a truck driver in the end Mm. but it's scary Mm. but I had learnt from the very first time that I don't say anything I support and shut up and just go, whatever happens is going to happen. Yeah. And you've got to let it be because you can't worry about something that you don't know what's going to happen because mm. you're only upsetting yourself. You're not able to do your best then for supporting them. Yeah. If you're yeah. sitting there worrying, then it's not going to help anybody. I'm wondering what happened with her children when she was deployed? So if her husband is in the army as well. Well, he was he was in America too, so he was looking after them. But during that time is when the marriage broke down. So when she came home from Afghanistan, she then brought the children home and didn't stay for the rest of his deployment in America. In America, yeah. I was just thinking, you know, the logistics of it, when you have a civilian partner, often it's a civilian partner that follows you around and, a deployment then you have a civilian partner who takes on the additional parenting responsibilities yeah. but just look thinking about it going oh, I don't know how that works and obviously he's their dad but but still yes. it's often well army first family second but when you've got two parents doing that you can't always do that no and no. she didn't have family support because you're here in Australia and they're yep. over in America well you know dad's in America yep. and mum's in Afghanistan Yes. There's no family yes. support there. No family support, no. Extra yes. challenging. Yes, mm. yes, extra challenging. But Rebecca's come through that and she is such a strong, independent woman. So since then she has done her second, I can't even think of the right word at the moment, but part <laughs> of the things that you have to do to be able to be eligible to be promoted, mm-hmm. you have to do further studies. Mm. So she has now got, during the time that she's been having children, she's got a degree and she's got two masters. Oh, wow. And that is, you know, where you study full, the masters, is you study full time yeah, and get paid to do that through the army, but you have to be eligible to be able to do that mm. and pick in the first place. So she has done that as well. Yeah. Look, I did my master's when I was, well, I spread it out because I was pregnant with two, well, two separate children. Mm. And it took a long time and it was a lot of work. And, you know, so 
was pregnant with my first, had my first while I was still doing my master's, then was pregnant with my second and handed it in two days before he was born. Um, <laughs> and and it's hard, you know, yeah. it's, it's a lot. And then she's gone back and done that again. That's all to, you know, help because she really enjoys working in the army. Yeah. She really feels like she, in her way, is making a difference for not only the people in the army, which is where she is because she's now in the personal stream, so the sort of purse HR type stream. Mm. And so she's looking at policies and helping, you know, she's really feeling like she's making a difference for the people actually in the, like the serving now. Yeah. And I know Mm. that it sounds, it sounds silly when people think about the idea of something small, like having a uniform change to be able to have a maternity uniform. That's actually huge. That is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. For women, for them, the army wants to retain women. They want to retain females within the army. And so they're looking at retention rates and, you know, what they can do about all of that. And that's just a little thing that helps. I know I'm very naive. I've come into this series with very little knowledge and a lot of curiosity, (laughs) but I'm surprised to hear that. I'm surprised to hear that the army wants to retain women while they're having babies and after they have babies. That's not the that's not yeah. how it's put out in the public. It's I still I still hear, I still see, I, you know, the idea that the army isn't a place for women and yet they're doing what they can to retain women while they get married and have babies. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're looking at what ways they can make it better that to keep happening Mm -hmm. Rebecca is a strong believer in that and so she's starting to help work on those that situation so she's obviously you know with her experiences she can she's got a lot of experience behind her in and sometimes it's been tough for her to stay Mm. you know but she has pushed through it and says just overall she's really she likes going to work most of the time so going back to that conversation where she said, I know you're scared, but I don't want to hear it. Like I, I mm-hmm. don't have capacity to, to hear your concerns. I've got my own and that I'm trying to bury. So I can't be burying yours too. Does she share those concerns with you? Like when she's struggling with going to work or those kinds of, does she share that with you? Yes. Yes. We are very close because mm. we're both in the same vicinity working and, oh, look, she has, she calls on the village, as she says, for her because the children are, have all got a multitude of varied activities that they're yeah. involved in. She's got four of them. And she's got four of them to run around. So she has a nanny that comes three afternoons a week. She works from home two days a week. And then she calls on, she's very fortunate to be in a place where she has got a brother and a sister, a mother, and a father, and other friends who are both in the military and not in the military, Mm. and the children's friends that she calls on and says, look, if I take them here, can you pick them up? This is on the weekend, and most of her weekends are spent running the kids, you know, that she's got one that does dance and one that does... Any sport that you can think of, rugby <laughs> league, rugby union, soccer, and he's so good at it that he gets into extra, you know, into representative sports. Yeah, that's no good. I've got one like that. And I think, could you not be good? Because I don't have time to be running you into these extra practices. Can, can well, we hobble you for a little bit? Which no, is frowned upon. <laughs> no, this one, if he doesn't do sport, he's just not a happy child. Yeah. The next one's into acting. And then, so he needs to go to Sydney. Oh, gosh. So I've taken him to Sydney a couple of times because he, he's underage. Yeah. He needs to have an adult with him. So, And so she's sort of trying to manoeuvre all of that and sometimes she takes him and family takes him and then the eldest one's, you know, gone into college and he's into basketball and he's now starting an apprenticeship while he's at, at college. So... She's running him here and there for work. Yeah. 
But even the idea that she can work a couple of afternoons a week from home, that's, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, she does two days a week. And I think I think COVID has helped yeah. with a lot of that because everyone had to work from home. But it, it also depends on her boss. Mm. Her boss this year is very flexible and understanding. You know, she's had some bosses that don't want you to work from home, want, you to, want to be able to see you all the time. And it just depends on the attitude of the boss. And yeah. she's had one boss who, well, why should you take time off to go to an assembly she said, well, I'll log on later, Yeah, you know, but because he had a partner to go and do that for his children. That's his choice though, you know. He still could have taken time off he, to go to the assemblies exactly. and log on later as well. Like dads are allowed to go to assemblies too. So. Exactly. exactly. So she's had, she's had to contend with all of those situations yeah. at different times. So she just makes it work as best that she possibly can and the kids know that and they're very appreciative of it sometimes yeah. <laughs> as kids are. That's it. Maybe when they hit 30. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you start be. having your own. No, yeah, the, eldest, the eldest is becoming very, very, he's very, very grown up and becoming very, very appreciative. Mm because he's just starting to learn to drive and so mum has to take him out driving lessons as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I know you need nerves of steel to be in the army, but honestly, I don't know I don't know if the army would compare to teaching your child to drive. Well, yeah, no. I think learning to drive is a lot easier than being in the army. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, learning to drive, yes. Teaching your child to drive, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, no. I'm going through I mean, it with my eldest at the moment. I think, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly oh, feel like tough. I'm taking yeah. my life in my hands every time I get in the car with her. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. If you teach them well, then they're going to be good drivers. As a family, like the, the wide collective yeah. family, we've put money in so that he can go and have some lessons. Yeah. You know, for birthday presents, Christmas presents, it's money towards a a lesson, yeah. you know, driver's lesson and things like that. So we all do the collective. So they might only get the one gift. Yeah. But that's how it can be afforded when everyone puts in. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. Um, so if you were talking to somebody who's, uh, you know, after having all these years of experience as the mum of somebody who is in the army, if you were talking to somebody who was brand new and telling you that their child wanted to join up, what would you say to them? I would say I think they go for it. Go for it. Remember that you are not in the situation, but you have to be supportive. And I think they learn so much about life. They have to learn to manage, to manage themselves because, you know, when they first start in and they get to see places and do things, even without the war side of it, mm. that a lot of people can't do and or don't get that experience. Yeah, it's interesting because I suppose when I think of joining the army, what I think of joining the army is that I know that there's sort of the thing that you can go and have your degree paid for type of thing, but I still think of it as defending our country and going to war yes yes so when and that's you, the ultimate reason why we have the army yeah and the air force and the, and the navy. navy yeah but I hadn't thought about things like when she was stationed in America and got to work in the pentagon yeah and the another thing she got to do was meet the queen when the queen came out to Australia oh wow yeah, she was very, very pregnant with her fourth child, but she got to meet the Queen and talk to the Queen. And she didn't even yeah. have to release a pop song or anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's had some fantastic, you know, living in America. What mm. an, That's just an experience in itself. And I've been over to visit in diff, the, both the different places that she's been into. So I've got that experience from that as well. You know, like in one place they were living next to the Belgium ambassador to Washington. Oh, of course. Who met and my next door neighbour, the ambassador. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So they've mixed, you know, been able to 
and I think part of that is because of her being an, an officer. Mm. And then she, you know, special dignitaries come along and they have to host them and talk to them. And but you know, the Belgium ambassador said, "Oh, when you're on on leave, go and stay in our place in Belgium." <laughs> So she's had those sorts of experiences. And then after she'd left the Solomon Islands, my son went to work over in the Solomon Islands because he's an economist. So he's saying, well, I'm just trying to help finish off what, what, she's my, started. <laughs> what my sister started in the, with all the Defence Force because he was going over there to help them with their macroeconomics oh, through wow. with the Australian government. Yeah, And I've now been to the Solomon Islands because of... My son being there, he invited me over to stay. So uh, it's it's broadened my experiences mm. as well. I suppose mm. that's, that's another way to look at the distance between you. So, yes, they can be posted to different places around the world, but actually who doesn't need an excuse to go on holidays somewhere and go and see, see the world and see different places? Absolutely, absolutely. And But because they're posted to different places that you're actually – living in mm. it's it's very different to just visiting you know like one time I was over in America and we were shopping in the snow you know you've got to go in and get your groceries and then come out and you're trying to load them up and it's snowing on you which is an unusual experience but you get to see different things in different places and you meet so many different people mm. and I know that Rebecca is still friends with people that she's met in America yeah most of them are with the forces, but some through the school that kids went to school. Yeah. And so the kids have had that experience too, though the older two in particular, well, the youngest one definitely not, but the third one was in um, preschool mm. over there. But the older two have been at school in America. Yeah. And so they had to tell their stories about Australia because they hadn't had Australians in that school particular school before oh. and then they'd have snow days where they had to stay home because it was snowing too much so <laughs> there was just the experiences were you know like it's just incredible yeah and then working at the pentagon so mm. i got to go in behind the scenes when i went there cool because yeah rebecca was there and yeah they allowed me in that's awesome so there's a lot more experiences that happen mm. if you willing to you know put your hand up and go for it and yeah I mean I'm not quite sure I'd be happy to go over for a trip over to Afghanistan while there were still bombs falling but a trip no, <laughs> and I know that's no, not an option no. I'm only joking <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but you know getting to go behind the scenes at the pentagon that I can I could get down with that <laughs> yes exactly you know it's pretty cool hmm. I mean when Rebecca was commissioned when mm -hmm. she was commissioned we you know she was she and one other could go to the governor general's house for this ah so she took me very cool so we went to the governor general's house here in canberra yeah. and that was pretty exciting mm. just to go into there and so you know there's all those just popped over things. popped over to the governor general's house to <laughs> Exactly, exactly. There's, there's no other reason I'd be going. No. <laughs> so, yes, you just get to do different things. and But, you, I mean, you work hard and you know, people say, oh, your pay is really good. But when you think you've mm. been paid for 24 hours a day yeah. and you've got to work till your work's done. Mm. And, and you're on call. You're on call. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff and there's lots of things but then you, they go to balls they you know they have the balls that mm. are so elegant and just beautiful so they get that time to get out of their uniforms and get dressed up and just have a really good time yeah, and yes yeah. everything is all formal and there's protocol with it but it's just it's beautiful and it's traditional and it's lovely yeah you know what we'll go with the hard hard question first what has been the most challenging aspect of being a military mum? I think seeing them government and not knowing whether they're going to be coming back. Do you get to go and actually see them? Do you get to go and, you know, like at the Navy, you can kind of go and wave the boat off. Do you get to go and, or do you say no. goodbye at home? 
say goodbye at home or when she was in America, it was just on the phone, yeah. FaceTime. And like I haven't always been in the same town or city mm. as her. So it's just, Text but message, you make a point you, to go and visit beforehand yeah. and you don't know. And I think that's the most challenging, but at the same time, when they come home, it's so rewarding mm. because they have achieved what they've set out to do over there, over in whatever theatre they're in, they feel fulfilled. So therefore you as a mum feel fulfilled because you're seeing them shine and do their thing. You get to celebrate them. Yes. Yes. And that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Look, I think that's important for parenting anyway, but yes, most definitely. Yes. And what, what would you say would be the best or the most fulfilling or the most rewarding part of being a military mum? I don't know. I don't know because I think all of it is. Mm. It's just watching them fulfil their dreams. Yeah. Their aspirations, just their everything. It's, it's just like any child, you want them to be doing their best and be at their happiest mm. and loving or not. Nobody loves going to work every single day. <laughs> no, but more good days than bad would be nice, right? <laughs> exactly. But basically overall enjoying their working life. Yeah. Because you're working at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you want them to be enjoying what they're doing and feeling themselves, feeling that they're satisfied with work and they're not just drudging. They're not just drudging. And I think that's... Military is not drudging. Mm. No, no. There's <laughs> a lot of things and they have to keep fit. Yeah. Rebecca's had a lot of issues with her fitness in the sense that she'd go back after the pre- after a pregnancy, she'd go back too hard and then hurt something and uh, ruin something. And yeah. So yeah. she's had a lot of things, but she gets up there and she still fights and she's still trying. And there's a lovely saying which is you know if you can see if she can if you can see her you can be her and so it's it's really important that we do have women in the military that are visible and we do have women that Mm. are being promoted and are making change and are are showing that this is something that women can do this is a space that women belong in absolutely absolutely because women because we think differently mm. to males, if we're able to put our opinions forward, then I think it changes everything for the better because you're melding mm. the male and the female. You're not dismissing the male's ideas. You're melding yeah. with the females. And females tend, and this is being very general and very generic, a little bit more can see the more emotional side of things that and that helps Mm. in sorting things out yeah look and I've shared it before on the podcast that I think when I first went into a role as a CEO there were very few female CEOs and so Mm. I tried to model myself on men because that's all I had to kind of look at and and I sucked at it because I'm not a man and I'm not naturally I don't naturally behave in a more masculine way I am you know, I am more emotional, I am more, you know, empathetic and, you know, all of those kinds of things, but they're strengths as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if we can get the strengths of men and the strengths of women and we can put them together, we're stronger. It doesn't, like one doesn't deplete the other. Absolutely. And that's what a part, a true partnership Mm. in every, every sort of partnership is supposed to be about is an equal equal standing of both ideas coming forward yeah and what I didn't ask you if this is okay to ask and I hope it is um can I ask you what does Anzac Day mean to you it used to be I'd reflect well as a child we had nothing mum and dad didn't want us to have anything to do with Anzac Day because they weren't able to go into the Second World War and they lost friends and, Uh, you know, so we had nothing to do with it. So it wasn't until I joined the Army Reserve that Anzac Day started meaning something to me. 
And now it's a it's a sign of reflection on some of my family members, but what our country, you know, where we've stood up and fought and for the better betterment of lives in other parts of the world mm-hmm. and that we are with New Zealand we are a force to be reckoned with you know the Anzacs are a force to be reckoned with and I am very proud that I was part of that yeah I'm very proud that my daughter is part of that and so we recognize Anzac Day like this year I won't be in the country but even in America, Anzac Day was recognised ah, by the Australians by Australia. yeah, that were okay. over there. And I know one year, I think Rebecca ended up, there was a special, all the Australians from all over that were posted in America, all the Defence Forces all went ended up at Washington, I think it was, all for a special Anzac Day celebration. Oh, so it's, you know, celebrated elsewhere. So it means a lot. It's not like people say, oh, it's glorifying war and all. It it Mm. isn't about that. No. It is about we have got to have a defence force, otherwise we'd be overrun and not have our democratic ways of life upheld. Mm. And we also have to remember that a lot of people have died Mm. in war and so we are remembering them and thanking them for their service. It means a lot in mm. that sense that from both directions, yeah. yeah. Has Rebecca ever marched in an Anzac Day march? And have you yes. have you have you been and seen her marching? Once. What was that Once. like? That was very good, but I've also marched ah. as well. What was that like? That was when I was in the Army Reserve, it was awesome. Yeah. You just felt so proud to be in there marching. It mm. was just brilliant. The only reason I haven't seen Rebecca most of the times is because I haven't been in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And similarly this year, you'll be you'll be somewhere totally oh, different. Yes. So, no, but, you, you, yeah, it's very, very pleasing and, and you feel very proud. Mm. Yeah, and mm. I I can only imagine, so, you know, walking through the street, the streets are just jam-packed. Oh, so yes. So the emotion must be incredibly high. It is, yeah, it is a high feeling. It mm. is a brilliant feeling and just you're proud, you're thankful, you're grateful for, for them but for everybody else who isn't back. Yeah. But And you do think of them. You mm. think of them having lost their lives in another country for for our country mm. and I you've got to be grateful and thankful that they were willing to sacrifice themselves for that and you've got to be grateful not necessarily happy but grateful that your child is willing to do that as well mm. and be there to step up and help them in any way and with that do you have any suggestions for how do you step up? How do you help them? Well, like at the moment, because she's got the kids yeah, and their father is no longer well, he's not in nearby. The same country. Yep. He wasn't, but now he's in the same country, but he's not, near, not living nearby. Mm. He's sort of moved up to another capital city. You're there to help them with the day-to-day at times. Yeah. And just filling the or gaps and... Helping as much as you can. Yeah. But also, if Rebecca gets posted out of Canberra, she does not want the children to be moving schools and all of that kind of stuff. So she said to me, I'll come home on weekends. Can you be here during the week? And I've said yes. Wow, that's a big that's so, a, that's a big job to potentially take on. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, yeah. if it happens. If it doesn't. But she just sort of is sounding... Mm so that the children aren't disrupted and their lives that they have settled into here in Canberra now don't get too disrupted and she would be home every single weekend. Yeah. You know, and they know me and love me and all of that and it will be difficult because Mm. I'm not Not, the same as mum. Yeah. (laughs) And we hopefully it doesn't happen. Mm. But she's got to look ahead and plan 
plan for what happens if it does happen. Yes. Yeah. For those sorts of things. So I think you just step up and whatever the child is needing Mm. and quite often they don't ask because they're strong, independent. My daughter's very strong and independent woman. So she won't ask. Mm. And that's that was kind of where I was heading with the question that I asked earlier with you know does she does she share the struggles with you because from the sounds of it she is she is really strong and independent and she's told you that you know we're doing this and then it's difficult to come back and go you know what actually I need some help or I'm I'm worried about this or this feels overwhelming or this feels like a lot Well I think we've worked on that we've sort of got to that point in our relationship mm. that she can and, you know, like the other day, she was not feeling so well. So she's on the couch. She said, oh, look, don't come over, mum. And I went over and all I did was stack the dishwasher or empty it, sorry, stack it again, pile it up and got dinner. Yeah. I didn't cook dinner. We bought dinner. <laughs> do you know what? The kids were fed and she didn't have to do anything. That's huge. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So just, you know, you know. And because she's supposed to be working, but she was too sick to work. And you're just helping, you know, sometimes it's putting a load of washing on because she has to wash every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Folding the washing sometimes, you know, things like that. It's just those, sometimes it's those little things, if you're around, Mm. that can help. Yeah. But other times it's making the effort to go for wherever they are to celebrate the child's birthday, yeah. you know, the milestones. You make that effort to go to visit them to celebrate those milestones yeah. with them. Hmm. Oh, that's really lovely. And I think, you know, behind every successful woman, there's a tribe of people that are helping them make it happen. A village, as my daughter yeah. calls them. Yeah. And very grateful for all of them. Mm. Mm. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I know that you're, you know, you've got lots of on your plate and you're getting ready to jet off and you've taken time out of that to, to come and have the conversation with me. And I, I really appreciate it. Before we finish up, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Just if anyone is out there listening and going, should I or shouldn't I join? I think go and join and if their parents are saying no 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 I don't want you going tell them that you have to do what you have to do and to support them in every way they can whether it's parents whether it's a partner to support them and yes it will be tough on them too and it has to be a joint decision if someone else is involved but give it a go Mm. because they will learn so much and just excel in so many different things that they never sometimes would even think that they could do. Yeah. And as you said, there are so many opportunities that open up for them that they wouldn't have otherwise. No. And I think as a parent, it's useful to remember that, you know, we all want our kids to achieve. We all want our kids to be the best version of themselves. Uh, But when it comes to something like armed forces, they're much more likely to be safe if they're not worrying what mum thinks or what dad's thinking. So, you know, one of the ways to yep. help keep them safe is to be supportive and to keep your concerns to yourself. Share them with a friend, yep. share them with somebody else, but maybe not the child that's over there when yes, they're over exactly. there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No. Beautiful. All right. I so can't. thank you so much for that today. Um, chatting with you and I've learned, I've learned so much. It's opened up my eyes to so many things that I wasn't expecting to talk about or to hear about so I really appreciate it that's okay thanks Emma Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.